Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. I'm guessing he picked this song, right? Casey is with a, a big fan. With I a guess. pullover like that. But he's like swagging out of Troy. It's, uh, it's got to be, intern Joe's got to be a, a, a he's train a hipster fan. or something. A train, well, this is just like your mom's music that she would listen to the Light Rock Station. All right, welcome in, everybody. Uh, C.L. Brown today. We're going to talk some ball with C.L. I haven't talked to him in a while. He covers the Tar Heels now. Now, listen, let me tell you something about that News and Observer. I could say plenty of things about it, and I have, and I will. But they went, uh, they got like the coveted free agent with C.L. Brown covering UNC. Because, I mean, that's like a nationally syndicated quality writer. And we like C.L. So uh, C.L. Brown will be on with us. Uh, Our Pirate Report continues. It'll be baseball-focused today with uh, Jason Dietrich being the guy we'll hear from. As he, of course, is the... uh, Pitching coach for ECU. Boy, when you look at ECU's pitching staff, scary. Stacked. Whew. I mean, totally loaded. And could get, I mean, from all angles. It'll get you starting. They got lefties they can run out there. I mean, there's, whew, there's some, some heat this year. No, they've got some guys that can uh, that can can sling it. So, um, we'll get into that. Uh, Joe Dooley's show last night. Good to hear from Coach. Uh, cue those up, Ben. I think we're going to go with uh, three and four. Kind of save that tomorrow. We are planning one of the exciting 90-minute editions tomorrow, but the AAC, because there's a doubleheader, I guess, in uh, Orlando with the women and the men, are going to move the game back a little bit. So we ain't doing two hours. That, that, uh, no, no, because the network airtime tomorrow on 107.9 and 94.3, the game is 7 o'clock, and they're going to be on at 745 with the opening tip tomorrow of uh, ECU and UCF. So uh, we'll just do our normal five to six thing. Uh, talk to Cy, talk to Brian Mull, but that's all tomorrow. Today, uh, CL Brown. The Tar Heels play tonight uh, on our sister stations. More on that in a little bit. Duke plays tonight. Ben will have everything for you in a few minutes. Uh, the big thing that happened uh, today, college football involving the college football playoff. You see this, Ben? I did not. This is news to me. Well, the college football playoff Selection Committee has added five new members. I did see that. I did see that. Boo! Corrigan from NC State is one of them. The athletic director, Mitch Barnhart from Kentucky. So that's the SEC representative, right? Uh, Texas's athletic athletic director is on there. This has a very sort of P5-ish feel, doesn't it? I'm uh, here in SEC right now. And then Will Shields who was uh, an All-American lineman at Nebraska for Because, you know, it's made up of ADs and coaches and experts. Because what, what, what would you say the big thing after this year's football playoff selection that, that, that the committee needed to address? In your opinion, what, would it, what, what, would you, what was your opinion that it needed? Representation outside of the power P5. Okay. Intern Joe, go to the mic. Would you agree with that? Represent, what do you think? Do you agree with that, yeah, that's intern? That's a pretty good answer. Okay. Well, that's why Ben likes intern Joe. He supported him there. <laughs> um, so you're 100% correct, Ben. We got that today. Okay, all right. But not what you think we got. If I was a good producer, I'd have a drum roll ready. You would, but you, but, but you don't, and that doesn't make you a bad producer. You just don't have one. So he's a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, was a former head coach. Joe Taylor, the director of athletics at Virginia Union. Not only Virginia Union, Division Two Virginia Union. Not only. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How do you not have a the so-called absolutely horrendous? Absolutely correct, Joe Dooley. How do you not have a representative in some form? Look, I think it's great that they have someone that represents an HBCU on there, but it would have made more sense to have someone from A&T 
or Central or Hampton that's an actual Division One. You've got a Division Two guy. Ah, that just is strange to me. That Todd. just screams, okay, I'm picking Clemson, I'm picking Bama, I'm picking Notre Dame, and I'm well, picking... I, mean, I don't look, I don't doubt Joe Taylor's knowledge of the of the game of football. But why would he care? That's a good point, number one. And number two, if he's the AD at Virginia, he's got his own issues, He's especially in the era of COVID with, at, an HB, at a D2 HBCU that is trying to make sure its athletics are fine. KC just looked up the average GPA for Virginia Union. It's 2.7. So they got they got things outside of football <laughs> to work about there. Come on. I'm 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 staying out of that water, but I'm just going to say it makes no sense to put a division 2 I mean put the guy from Barton on there if you're going to Why I mean, not? <laughs> what sense does that make? What sense does that make? It makes no sense to that me. That was absolutely pointless. If I'm Mike Oresco, I'm I'm really teed off right now. And every AD and and the commissioner of the the Sun Belt and CUSA and they ought to be torqued off right now. Why wouldn't they be? That just that makes no sense to me. I guess it's because of his credentials of being a a Hall of Famer. But I mean, why not add? I mean, do, do you think anybody out of that group of five people they've added? are going to have any sort of best interest of Cincinnati, of Coastal Carolina, of East Carolina, of anybody like that in, in mind? I guarantee you all of them are going to have the same exact picks, picks barring maybe an Oklahoma or something like that, some some team right outside the top four. It's, it's just it's just going to be the exact same. I just I, I can't believe that you would not add someone who is a uh, an AD at, at any of the other so-called G- – I mean, just to have that voice in the room. It's a bit of, big middle finger. <laughs> well, it kind of is. <laughs> to everybody else. I mean, it really kind of is, to be honest with you. Uh, it just – that makes very little sense to me. It really does. Uh, we'll, we could dive into that more later in the week. Uh, Joe Dooley show last night. You heard it here on 94.3 The Game. Uh, coach was asked what it was like watching his team play. Now, look, they could not have played any worse against Memphis on Sunday. Boy. And uh, Do- Joe Dooley had to watch that at home. This is what Coach had to say watching the team play. Miserable. Uh, you know, I wasn't obviously not, not being happy, uh, being unhappy, not being able to be there, and then obviously not very pleased with the uh, with the, the way we played. And uh, so it was a different experience watching it on TV. Uh, you feel a little bit helpless because you can't uh, do some things. And, uh, but that's all part of it. That's where we are at this point in, in, in our country. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll you a uh, a little bit of a, a curveball here, but we'll add it as we uh, as we play this cut because this is a fairly lengthy cut. But this was Joe's takeaways from the game Sunday in the blowout loss to Memphis. I think the biggest thing for our team is it's not unusual for every once in a while for a coach to miss a game. I mean, it's not that a common of occurrence, but. I think the real disruption for us has been the practice. And, uh, you know, I probably missed 13 of our last 18 or 19 practices between contact tracing and, 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 you know, being, uh, you know, being positive and you throw in a five day pause. So it gives them some disruption. I I think our timing was off. I thought Memphis played well. I thought we looked uh, disoriented, uh, which is frustrating one side of me is, you know, uh, you understand. The other side is you don't want to make excuses or give anybody an out. So you, you sort of sit there on the on the fence and say, how do we help these guys? And uh, one of them is we do need to play some games. We need some conditioning. We need some practice time. You know, there's a multitude of things we need. But, you know, I saw today, I, I saw where, you know, DePaul had been paused three times. Villanova had been paused three times. Um, Iona's been paused three times. I, I think one thing that we did was we paused, but we didn't wait for everybody to get back. You know, some other programs have paused and, you know, waited for everybody to get back before they've tried to reacclimate or play. And, you, you know, we haven't. So I, I do think our guys want to play. I think that's fair. And if they want to play, and I, and I do think it was, it was a very different dynamic yesterday. Joe, Joe Dooley, when will you be back? Hopefully, hopefully the next couple of days we'll you know uh, waiting on a couple of tests, the deals, the uh, reacclimation, and 
they want them as an, uh, an oxygen uh, thing, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, well, he might have been talking about players there, not necessarily him. I don't know. Conditioning, maybe. I don't uh, know. Well, I think he might have been talking. Was he talking timetable for players there? Yes. Himself. For himself? Yeah. Oh. Made it sound like he might not be on the Yikes. trip. Play that again, Ben. Hopefully, hopefully the next couple of days we'll you know uh, waiting on a couple of tests, the, the deals, the uh, reacclimation, and I think one of them's an, uh, an oxygen uh, thing, and uh, we'll go from there. Gosh, well, sound good, does it? That doesn't sound very no, uh, optimistic there. No, it does not. Well, that could be interesting, couldn't it? So there's a storyline to watch for tomorrow, right? All right. Um, you, another uh, very lengthy pirate report. I want to leave a lot of time for CL Brown today, so no need to yammer on here. Uh, pirate report coming up on the other side, Ben. Is that right? That's right. We got Coach it. Dietrich. I see my list now. So we'll uh, run through the uh, Jason Dietrich uh, cuts from uh, ECU Baseball Media Day as uh, we're, what, 20-some-odd days uh, till Pirate Baseball gets fired up on the 19th. So there you go. Uh, we'll talk with Coach Dietrich. Boy, he's got a uh, an embarrassment of riches as far as the potential of this coaching staff goes, and uh, we'll see. He'll do a fine job, I'm sure. So we'll jump into Coach's thoughts on all of this on the other side of this timeout on the Patrick Johnson Show, our pirate report. Ah, no center field for a for a second straight down baseball. Huh? Thank God, thank God. I mean, it's, it's it's about time. We've done spammed it enough this season. I think the folks are tired of it. Okay, if if you I I don't I would disagree. But hey, it is today's. You can't get enough center field here. It is today's pirate report. And now Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, ninety four three, the game. Jason Dietrich is in his second year as the pitching coach for ECU, veteran uh, guy, uh, many many years as a uh, coach at the collegiate level, as a, a pitching coach at the collegiate level, and uh, we enjoyed getting to know him last year. Of course, uh, that uh, stint did not last the longest uh, last year. It was a, a season cut short, so uh, coach. Uh, really working more in the offseason with a lot of these pirate pitchers. Uh, he was asked at yesterday's media availability about the pirate pitching staff and, and kind of in a mode of getting to know them last year and uh, how much that maybe has changed in year two. How how year one, entering year two is different from entering year one would be the simplest way to put it. Comfortable, yeah. I've gotten more comfortable, obviously, getting to know the guys and building relationships with them. Uh, we have three freshman pitcher so in a sense it's a lot of returners so to have that you know continuously building relationship with those guys it's been great um so you know, again it's been exciting for me to keep on getting to know the guys and see what they're working at and getting better at and keep rolling with them so i've enjoyed it certainly gavin williams was a name that could have been uh drafted last year had the major league baseball draft not been shortened due to COVID 19 but gavin williams is back with the pirates jason dietrich pirate pitching coach talking about those conversations last year going into june's draft but also uh where uh, gavin's mindset is now that he is a pirate this year well, i think every junior uh when they have, or any anyone that's draft eligible obviously you know, their mind, you know, they're excited and kind of see what lies ahead. Uh, and so with that, you know, obviously only being five rounds, Gavin not getting picked. That's something that's uh, obviously we benefited from. And I think it's helped maybe put a little chip on his shoulder to come back, you know, hungry and, and wanting to show that what he's capable of, because we all know that he's got, you know, a huge potential and upside. So I think that's kind of helped him and drive him to seriously, you know, get better and grow. And that's what I've seen. Obviously, he had a great fall, and he's he's a guy that's we're going to count on uh, to help us and the staff uh, get better. But yeah, I think that any guy that's in that situation to get drafted, they've you know, like I said, they're excited. But yet, you know, sometimes only so many guys are you know happy when they get in the first couple rounds. But what have you? So 
getting your name heard is a good thing. But like I said, I think that's helped him kind of come back with a, you know, a little different mindset and knowing that, Hey, he's excited to, you know, keep on tapping his potential and keep growing as a, as a pitcher. So good things have gone for him and fall and chance to are excited to see what he can do for spring. Coach Dietrich on Media Day was asked how guys who were newcomers last year that didn't get a lot of action, A.J. Wilson, Bradley Wilson, others that were newcomers last year, how they have progressed from last year to this year, even though they didn't see a lot of action. I think a lot of guys have, the fall was, was great. It was awesome. It was awesome just to be out there and just compete and have an opportunity to see what guys can do. Uh, but A.J. Wilson had a great fall. He was he was really good. Uh, he's he's done a lot of work. He's worked hard at you know commanding the ball. He's got a really good slider. And, but yet he's competed hard and a lot of guys that didn't get an opportunity last year. I think that again, that's what's helped them come back with a little, uh, kind of little hunger to prove that, Hey, I want to show you, I want innings. Uh, obviously springs a different animal, so to speak, but you know, fall, a lot of guys have come back, uh, with Carson wasn't hunt, you know, CJ Mayhew obviously had a, he was going in the right direction in spring, but he's, everyone's come back in my mind, kind of hungry when you're pretty deep on the mound and we're blessed to have, you know, a lot of talent, a lot of guys are wanting to show you that hey, I'm capable. And that's the great, I guess, dilemma or problem that we have as a coaching staff is we want to, you know, when you have that many options, so to speak, uh, that's, what's been fun. Car Spivey had a great fall. Again, fall is great to evaluate and check guys out and see what they're doing, the progression that some have made. And, uh, but as you know, spring, we want them to keep the same mindset and keep attacking, keep going after it, not because the lights are on and, you're playing an opponent that things have to change. So we want them to continuously be hungry. And uh, like I said, it's just the name of a few guys that I've said, but there's a lot of guys that have, have done a good job continuously showing their improvement, uh, especially when we're facing a lot of good hitters in our lineup. It promises to be a college baseball season unlike any other, and there will be a lot of top-end pitching, not only in Greenville, but with other teams around the American and around the nation for that matter, especially during the weekend conference series. Coach Jason Dietrich, Pirate Pitching Coach, asked about uh, – his thoughts on that as we head into the 2021 season in a few weeks. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And a lot of people are going to have more depth. A lot of guys, you know, with a shortened draft, a lot of incoming um, incoming student athletes and then returning guys, uh, I think everyone's roster is going to be a lot more deeper. And that's the fun part. That's where we're excited to accept that challenge and keep telling our guys, you know, just because we feel confident in our, in our baseball team that every team out there is going to, talented and they're going to be ready to go so that's the fun part and i think that's what we continuously work at in practice and what have you is just keep getting after it and telling our guys that hey you know we got to play the game of baseball you know it's not about just you know facing other rosters that are talented it's just we got we got to play the game that's our job as coaches uh, keep helping them refine their skill set and keep on doing what they need to do to to face the good teams that are going to be out there that's the fun part like i said it's, it's gonna be be fun looking forward to it as a coach a lot of pitching talent possibly this year for ECU, and uh, Coach Dietrich was asked about how this staff compares to some other talented staffs he's coached during his long career. I like the guys. Uh, Coach Plumbo and Coach Godwin have done a great job of assembling uh, and recruiting uh, a lot of good, talented players. Good guys is deep. Uh, I like the blend. We have some experience, you know, returning guys with some experience, some starters. Um, so then he mixed that in with some younger guys that are kind of itching to you know make a name for themselves so to speak it's it's good it's, it's deep but like anything you know i think experience is a huge piece of the puzzle and then again it's the new guys that maybe don't have as much experience but they're they're showing us at least that they're they're ready to take the ball and that's when we're going to say hey man give yourself an opportunity which you're creating this opportunity for yourself but again it's it's there's a lot of guys that i like you know older guys and and younger guys so i think the blend in itself is allowing us to continuously put our best effort to figure out, you know, obviously who's going to start, who's going to be the middle relievers, who's going to be set up guys, so to speak, and who's going to finish the ball games for us. So to have those luxuries, it's a good thing to have. Now we just got to go out there and, you know, go see who does what. And we have a good idea, but again, guys, some guys are going to step up and some guys may struggle, but at the end of the day, we like the experience we have and we like the blend of new guys that are stepping up and showing that they're capable of, uh, you know, taking certain roles for us. ECU has a lot of uh, pitching depth, as uh, perhaps you've heard that. We've been saying that throughout. Uh, but uh, they also have, you know, you, you look, Mayhew is a left-hander. Cooch Maynard, of course. Uh, the aforementioned A.J. Wilson. Carson Wisenhunt is uh, a guy who is a uh, lefty for this uh, Pirate team. And, and that will create some matchup opportunities if Coach Godwin so desires. 
Uh, this is uh, Coach Dietrich discussing uh, the ability to, in certain situations, perhaps uh, go to a, a matchup on the mound with the left-hander. That's the great thing, as you know. And, and when you have all kinds of different varieties coming out of the pen or starting or what have you, but we have the luxury of that, and that's what you want to kind of counteract that, you know, the lineups that you're facing. And to have those just three lefties that are very good, that's going to help us, I think, down the road in regards to matchups. And for them to continuously, you know, do what they can do because the potential is there. It's just a matter of them being consistent and going out there competing at a high level. But to have them and, and other guys in the pen, it's just like I said, we're going to, you know, like I said, you can look down the roster and be like, okay, this guy for this guy and what have you. And that's, that's, that's the good thing. You know, we have the options we like. Now we just want to, you know, give an opportunity to go for it and who can handle the scenarios and situations as the guys are going to get called upon at a high level. And we just got to, you know, get them out there and compete and have some fun and go for it. And we'll see what they can go from there. A couple of, in this uh, COVID era, six-year seniors on the Pirate roster this year. Cam Colmore, the South Central product, is one of those. And uh, he was asked a little bit about, uh, was Coach Dietrich, uh, his uh, abilities and what his experience brings to this Pirate pitching staff. Cam Colmore, we're talking about here with Coach Dietrich. Uh, he's, he's one of our you know, leaders on the pitching staff. He's been huge. He's just to hear the stories from him when he first got on campus to where he's at now. Obviously, the maturity and the growing up that he's done as an individual has been huge. And for him to share his experiences with our younger guys, it's something that's, you know, he has so much pride in this program. Uh, being a local guy that he just it's infectious and he keeps on just helping guys get better and being mentor and being a good leader. So with him, we're, we feel it's a luxury, so to speak. You know, he's kind of a Swiss Army knife. He can do many things for us. So he's a guy that we're, we hold at a high standard and someone that we're going to count on to uh, play a big role in the pitching staff, not just, you know, I mean, you talk about many things from just being a leader, talking guys, helping them practice to, uh, like I said, is he going to set up? Is he going to start? Is he going to close? He, like I said, he can do numerous things. Uh, we have a lot of faith in him. Uh, the experience that he has under his belt and kind of just being an older guy, that's going to help, I think, tremendously uh, for us uh, throughout the spring. Coach asked about guys who have taken a jump with this uh, pitching staff since last year. He was one of the few guys that had opportunity to play summer baseball. So I think that getting out there and we wanted him to just focus on pitching only has allowed him to kind of just channel his inner drive to grow as a pitcher. So I think he's done a good job in the weight room. He does, he's really matured in our, in our eyes uh, in, in the essence of just understanding the importance of you know, the weight training, the, you know, the playing catch at a high level, his bullpen preparation, everything he's done is, is, has been really at a high level that we would like. So he's, he's shown that. And so now we're just watching him. And then all of a sudden he started this fall. We're like, wow, this is coming around. The velocity started increasing, um, changed a couple of things. Coach Knight, myself, uh, with his couple of his grips and certain pitches. And we're seeing some potential there. Now it's just a matter of him just trusting in the work. And like I said, he showed a lot of potential this fall. And with that, we're like, okay, we want to, we don't want him to do more. We just want him to be himself and take that same approach that he had in fall to spring and just trust in all the hard work he's put in. He's done a great job. Like I said, this pitch has come around and, and he's attacking the zone. Uh, as you know, sometimes freshmen, they come in wanting to do too much. And I think last year he was trying to do too much, trying to hit, trying to pitch. And I think it overwhelmed him a little bit where that next year he's a little more mature and understanding what he needs to focus on. And he's putting the, in the work at a high level. And, and I think that's just a byproduct of hard work, putting in the hard work, you know, good things usually lie ahead. And so we're excited to see what he can do for us this spring. He's put himself in a good position. He's got to keep, you know, staying positive and keep working, give himself the opportunity. But he's someone that's made good strides so far. Certainly there will be challenges to whatever is decided and how they decide to play the four-game uh, weekend conference series this year in the American. Uh, Coach Dietrich asked about that yesterday's thoughts on it. I'm like, fine, let's go bring it on. You know, like I said, we trust our guys. Uh, we, we believe in our guys. They all work hard. And, and if that's the case, it's just to get us out in the field. I mean, it's four games or five games, whatever, right? We're going to do everything we can to get out there to compete. We want to get our guys out there. And that's the thing that we, we have a lot of faith in. And, and again, you have to stay healthy and guys got to step up and show consistency. But we have a lot of faith in our pitchers to go out there and compete at a high level. We're going to, again, they understand what lies ahead. So game planning, we'll do what we can to, give them the best opportunity to compete. But I think with uh, 
the depth that we have, like I said, guys are going to be hopefully chomping at the bit to want to get out there and, hey, I want to pitch as much as I can, coach. And that's what, you know, them doing the recovery and staying on top of their health and all the stuff that we need to monitor. But, yeah, we're, we're, we're fine. Like I said, four games, whatever it takes. We just want to work excited to be out there in spring to compete. Pirate report going on here. Uh, recap of yesterday's uh, media day with Coach Dietrich, the pitching coach for the Pirates. A follow up to the question about uh, the four games in three days uh, is that maybe something that sets up uh, the pitching staff for the Pirates and perhaps other teams in the American for a uh, regional weekend for the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I, I can see that totally helping you. Like I said, it just it challenges your depth. So guys are going to step up, and then you start seeing who can do what. So the more you can the more the guys can get out there and compete and experience they, they, they can garnish. It's just going to help them down the road. As you know, it's some of those guys that maybe don't get the ball as much, but they still work hard and they keep on doing what you're asking and doing. All of a sudden their name gets called and they're ready to go. So with the opportunity for us to play four games, like I said, it's going to challenge the pitching depth, but in essence, it's also going to help us. We feel down the road because like I said, you're going to tap into some guys maybe that you didn't have because, like I said, maybe someone's struggling or, unfortunately, if someone got hurt, then we have to go to the next guy. But, yeah, I think down the road, this is stuff that's going to – we're going to take uh, the positive out of it and go, okay, well, this that allows us to know to come up with our best game plan when we get to the regionals and the postseason. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a huge positive for, for everyone, really. But for us, we're excited. All right, really good stuff there with Coach Jason Dietrich, uh, our pirate report for today, honing in on baseball. We'll go basketball heavy tomorrow, obviously, with a 90-minute show. Uh, we've got uh, C.L. Brown coming up here. We'll talk some hoops with him. UNC playing tonight. You'll hear it on one of our uh, sisters, a couple of our sister stations, actually. We'll run through that as there's a college hoops action uh, tonight up and down the dial. Uh, here to preview all that uh, and more. Ahead of C.L. Brown discussing it with us is Ben Byram with our 94.3 The Game Sports Update. Ben? Thanks, Patrick. Ben Byram here. If you're a 94.3 The Game Sports Update, we have plenty of exciting college hoops tonight, and we start with fifth-ranked Texas hosting 24th-ranked Oklahoma. The Longhorns are favored by four with the over-under at 143. Ninth-ranked Alabama hosts Kentucky. The Kentucky Wildcats are the underdogs by six and a half points. The over-under at 148. 18th-ranked Tennessee takes on Mississippi State. The Tennessee Volunteers are the nine-point favorites. The over-under at 126 and a half. We have an American Conference matchup between two of the better teams in the conference in Memphis and SMU. The SMU Mustangs are the two-and-a-half-point underdogs with the over-under at 143. UNC has a tough task at hand as they battle Pitt. That game can be heard on our sister stations 94-1 and 97-9 Grooving Oldies. The coverage are beginning at 6. The Tar Heels are actually favored in that game by three-and-a-half with the over-under at 145. The 22nd-ranked St. Louis Billikens match up against Dayton. The Dayton Flyers are the nine-point underdogs with the over-under at 135. They're wrapping up all the action at 9 o'clock. Duke hosts Georgia Tech. Coverage of that game can be heard an hour before tip-off on our sister station 1 WTIB. The Blue Devils are favored by five and a half points. The over-under at 140 and a half. In some local high school hoops action, tipping off the night, the winless Southern Wayne Saints host 3-3 three three. J.H. Rose. 2-1 Washington Pan Pack travels to 1-1 Green Central. We have a matchup between two undefeated opponents. The 6-0 Southwest Edgecombe battles 4-0 Farmville Central. 0-3 South Lenore takes on 1-5 North Lenore. And 3-2 Kinston matches up against 2-0 Aiden Grifton. 4-2 Dage Conley's game scheduled against 6-0 South Central was canceled moments ago due to COVID-19 protocol. From college football, Nebraska Cornhuskers quarterback Luke McCaffrey the brother of Christian McCaffrey and wide receiver Cade Warner, son of Hall of Famer Kurt Warner, have announced that they will enter the transfer portal. From the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars have hired their own director of player personnel and Trent Balk. Trent Balk as their full-time GM. Pittsburgh Steelers have promoted quarterback coach Matt Canada as their new offensive coordinator. And Baltimore Ravens GM Eric DaCosta has announced his intentions to sign quarterback Lamar Jackson to a contract extension. For Major League Baseball, the Philadelphia Phillies keep catcher JT Ramuto, signed him to a five-year, $115 million deal. And the league announced they will hold their first pre-draft combine in Cary, North Carolina from June 20th to June 28th. Wrapping up from the NHL, Carolina Hurricanes captain Jordan Stahl is back at practice after their previous positive COVID test. The team expects him, expects him to be able to go this Thursday when the Canes return to action against the reigning champs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you're a 94 through the game sports update, I'm Ben Barm. What's happening? I'll tell you what's happening.
Log on to our new website, 943thegame.com, for PJ Shot Podcasts and the latest news on the Pirates. This is happening. Now, back to Patrick Johnson on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Honey, bands in my pocket, it's on me. Honey, deep when I roll like the army. Get my bottles, these bottles are lonely. It's a moment when I show up, got them saying, wow. You can uh, relive the magic of the Patrick Johnson Show every day, 94.3 The Game. Ben's got the uh, podcast stuff usually 30, 40 minutes after, sometimes less. Uh, also, wherever you download your favorite spot, uh, your your favorite podcast, Spotify, right, Ben? Spotify. Uh, we got Google. We got Apple. Anywhere, really. And uh, Cordell, Brown, or Cordell Powell's uh, uncle was uh, messaging me today. He was going to go back and re-listen to the interview we did with Cornell a few weeks ago. Uh, C.L. Brown joining us uh, here. Been a little while since we've talked to him. He is, uh, uh, you know, just I mean, the preeminent baseball or uh, basketball uh, writer, in my opinion, when when it comes to college basketball, as good as any in the on, on the planet. And uh, he's covering the Tar Heels for the News Observer now, which uh, was a boon by them, in in my opinion. I mean, that what a get. Uh, C.L. Brown joins us here. How are you, C.L.? Good to talk to you again. Likewise, far too kind with that intro, man. Far too kind, but <laughs> I appreciate it. So it's good to be back. Look, like Jay Wright saved untold amount of cash on his suits this year. Um, <laughs> other coaches have saved all this money. I, I know you're big, in, you know, big. You're just you're always natally attired, always handsome uh, in your dress. Did has this whole thing put a crimp on on that? side of of cl brown but i have to imagine it's maybe saved you some money as well well i'm not exactly down to uh like mike bray going with shorts (laughs) 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 on on an unseasonably cool day but yes i I, I really dressed up at all this is like all this season (laughs) this whole thing is like the dream of mike bray's dreams isn't it that that you don't have to dress up to coach the games i i think it's fantastic (laughs) To be quite honest with you, but uh, for Bray, it is. So, what do you what do you think of that? That's kind of a, a nice, light way to get into this. You know, I, I've seen it pop up on Twitter conversations from time to time. I think the coaches love it. You know, it's bad for the haberdasheries and for the tailors and all of that. But um, yeah, you know, by and large, I think the coaches are kind of digging not having to you know worry about if the tie matches the the pocket square or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think a lot of coaches are going to stay this way where, you know, they, they just dress for comfort, maybe maybe a pullover, you know, with the, the school logo and that kind of thing. Um, I know that Roy Williams, though, he prefers to be in suits. Uh, and, and when, knock on wood, things go back to normal, quote-unquote normal, uh, I, I'd be highly surprised if he continued this trend next season. I yeah. think he's... Uh, He's the he's one kind of coach. He's the one guy that kind of uh, doesn't wear the apparel. If you, he kind of wears the, uh, you know, the sweater. Um, I mean, it, it, it's a, it's kind of like a dress casual for old Roy. Uh, it's yeah, know. he's mixed it up. He's he's had some games where it is just like Carolina gear, right? But uh, but it's still, you know, <laughs> it's there's still a, a certain amount of. Uh, it's like a business casual to yeah. it, you know. Yeah. It, it's it's not totally dressed down, but uh, but he's been his sneaker game <laughs> this season has been something else. I mean, he's you know basically sporting a different pair of Air Jordans every game, and uh, it, it's kind of caught on on social media. You know, I would think if with all the money that like the Jordan brands pouring into the UNC uh, athletic situation and that you know adidas is pouring in at other places and nike and, and under armor etc i almost would think that it would be something that those companies want the coaches to wear you know a golf shirt or a pullover or, or you know a cage jacket or something like that that is you know kind of uh, you know something that fans can buy you know, you, you know what i'm saying I, you know we, oh yeah, yeah. I, I can't buy i can't afford to buy the roy williams suit maybe uh, but I can afford to buy, you know, the uh, the Syracuse pullover or or what have you, or the golf shirt from you know Iowa State or or what have you. So I, I think that's going to have as much to do with it as anything as well. That you know, I, I almost think the people that are writing a lot of checks funding basketball are going to want 
that gear to be something that you know they can move some merch that way. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. I, I know yeah, this. Yeah, I, I know this. Right. CL Brown needs a deal because he can't dress as Natalie <laughs> as he normally does. So that's what I say. We need to get CL at an apparel deal with somebody. With somebody out there. Well, I'm all for it. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> the great CL Brown is with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. It's great to have him on. Uh, Tar Heels tonight with uh, Pitt being the opponent in the Steel City. Uh, we'll have coverage on 94.1 WNBU and also 97.9. Uh, here in our market, uh, so tune in uh, at uh, the top of the hour for uh, that as uh, the uh, the uh, Tar Heels play uh, the Pitt Panthers. Let me ask you about this UNC team. All of a sudden, you know, here they are. What did they t- won five of six? And yeah. to me, they look like in the second half of the ACC uh, that they could make some real uh, some real noise. Maybe even get a top four seat. Who knows? Uh, what is different in the last six games for uh, UNC? Well, I think they're starting to, to really understand how they need to play to win, um, which for this team where the front court is, is the strength, it is pounding the ball inside. No matter who the opponent is, uh, going inside is, is, you know, they're going to put themselves in a position to win if they get Armando Bacon and, and De'Ron Sharp off the bench and Garrison Brooks the ball, uh, the majority, or at least touches on every trip down the floor. And also, I think that Caleb Love, the, the light is finally, you know, the light switch is finally clicked right for him, I think. Um, he still has to cut down on the turnovers, but he's shooting the ball better, and I feel like it, overall he's making much better decisions with the ball, and I think that that's, that bodes well for the Carolina offense when he's doing that. You mentioned Dayron Sharp, uh, who is a, a local product uh from the Farmville area, went to South Central, won a state title there. Uh, Dayron has had some really nice outings this year. How would you uh, assess his play uh, so far this season? Dayron is like, I, I think he's exceeded uh, my personal expectations of what he was going to be like this season. Um, I just did a story on him that ran uh, in the News and Observer on uh, uh, yesterday, and I looked at some of the advanced you know, metrics, and he could possibly be the best freshman rebounder in the history of Carolina's program. Wow. And, and that, that takes into account that, you know, obviously for however long that was when freshmen weren't eligible. So, right. yeah. you know, you, yeah. you disqualify a lot of people that way. But um, his rebounds per 40 minutes and, and his rebounding percentage, which is basically the amount of rebounds, you know, the total – percentage of rebounds he gets when he's on the floor um, are, are like far and away better than, than the Sam Perkins and the Tyler Hansboroughs and the Antoine Jamesons, everybody who's come through Carolina. Yeah. Um, and, and they can compare that metric to because he's doing it. He's a team's leading rebounder right now. And he's playing on average five to 10 minutes less than the other guys, you know? So uh, he gets in, he gets it done and he gets back out. 16 and 10 last time out against uh, NC State, and that was a big win for the uh, for the uh, Tar Heels over the pack. Uh, they're playing at Pitt tonight. Pitt is uh, don't look now, but all of a sudden Pitt is uh, probably one of the better uh, stories in the ACC and a, and a really representative program. They've had some COVID issues this year. Jeff Capel's done a heck of a job. He had a real bad uh, bout with COVID nineteen a little earlier in the uh, season. Uh, give us a little. Uh, scouting report on Pitt for this 7 o'clock game tonight. Yeah, well, I think Pitt is going to go as Justin Champagne goes. Um, he's been killing it right now. I think he's probably going to be the ACC player of the year. Uh, he's doing 19 and 12. I think 12 rebounds right now is his average. And um, he's just, you know, he's, he's a bit undersized sometimes for what they ask him to do. He's only about six six, but sometimes he'll be playing the four in their rotation, but uh, he's been killing it. He gave Duke 31 points when they played um, uh, last week, and uh, I, I think if he has a big night tonight, which is like, it's not even big according to his standards, but if he gets 20 tonight, I think uh, it might be hard for Carolina to come out of there with a the win, um, but they also have some, some good complimentary players who I feel like have, have uh, you know, had solid years so far. Xavier Johnson, 
um, their junior guard being being one of them. Um, he he probably uh, has. I think he leads the, the ACC in assists right now. He's he's at about six assists a game, fourteen points. So they've they've got some pieces there, and, and Jeff Capel has certainly built it from the ground up at Pitt. And uh, you know they swept Carolina last year, mm-hmm. so I think mm-hmm. you know Roy Roy has been able to to pitch a little motivation for them going back into Pitt tonight. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to C.L. Brown, covers the Tar Heels for the News and Observer, has uh, written uh, ESPN, The Athletic. I mean, uh, C.L.'s been everywhere uh, and uh, does a fantastic job. I was thrilled to see him uh, get uh, the gig uh, covering UNC. And, and I, boy, what a, what a big, uh, no disrespect to anyone, but I mean, what a, what a boon for the, uh, for the NNO uh, covering a, uh, uh, one of the nation's premier programs, obviously, to have a guy of C.L. stature covering it is, is a huge deal. Don't look now, but uh, Virginia is sitting atop the ACC standings. It's it's really remarkable in a way. Uh, but I guess we shouldn't be surprised, right? No, we shouldn't. And and I told Tony Bennett this last year that he can he can forget ever uh, getting ACC Coach of the Year again because now <laughs> now since he's been there long enough, now we expect Virginia to be competing for the the conference title. So, you know, so we're going to look at other teams that we didn't expect to be in the top, like like Virginia Tech this year. I right. mean, yeah. Mike Young has done a great job, yeah. and, and, and Jeff Capel, as you mentioned, he's done a great job so far. So, uh, But Virginia is, is, you know, it has become a program that it has become a standard of excellence. Um, and I think it's going to be hard to knock them off. But I will say I did take Florida State uh, preseason – to win the conference, and I think that Florida State and Virginia have separated themselves in terms of the rest of the conference as the two teams right now that are playing at the highest level. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you that. I mean, obviously, what Virginia has done this year, and, and you know, there were some that it looked like they were going to be a top four in a lot of people's preseason in, in the ACC standings, top three. Uh, here they sit at seven and zero and eleven and two. But if, is Florida State the scariest team out of the conference right now? Oh man, they they are. But I still think it's one of those teams that you look at outside of Scotty Barnes being the guy that you know is is a definite next level talent. They don't just jump off the page at you, you know. Um, and and they're still a team. The way that Coach Leonard Hamilton's systems work is still a team that very much. Different guys on different nights yeah. are the ones that hurt you. It's not just one guy who carries that team. So, uh, you know, definitely the the MJ Walker and the, and the Raekwon Grays of the world aren't household names, even in just the ACC region. You know, so uh, they're they're one of those teams that even though they are this good right now, I feel like people still don't fully respect them and fully understand how good they can be. Yeah. Uh, we've got C.L. Brown with us here. UNC at Pitt tonight, 7 o'clock. Uh, you can hear the game on 94.1 WNBU. Also, uh, Groovin' Oldies 97.9 here in uh, Greenville. So check it out uh, there. You know, uh, they moved the tournament out of Washington to Greensboro. I think they did that in case they needed to play with the dates a little bit. Uh, they had a little more, actually a lot more flexibility uh, in Greensboro than they would have anywhere else or any of the uh, more coveted destinations uh, for, you know, Madison Avenue. But when you look at uh, just getting to that, I mean, I'm, you you just scroll the Twitter timeline. I did that for the first time a few minutes ago uh, this afternoon. And I mean, I see old dominion is, you know, pausing activities and this program and that, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, one group of the one conference or one area of the country. I mean, it's, it's sporadic everywhere. What's the sense you're getting from talking to coaches and your contemporaries nationally about, you know, this thing getting to Indianapolis ultimately? I mean, are, are people kind of scratching their head how we're going to figure, how we're going to get to that point? I mean, we're just coming off a, a two-week stretch here in Greenville where the ECU program had to halt activities. And, you know, Memphis is great. Memphis is getting better because they're actually playing. And, you know, but, but I mean, ECU looked like they'd never seen one another before. They had a lot of guys returning yeah. from that roster. So, I mean, just, you know, the chemistry, the, the legs, uh, the conditioning, uh, you know, this, this whole thing, it's a tough year. What, what are you hearing from, uh, from coaches around the, the country? Well, I, I think uh, that, that issue was raised on the ACC coaches teleconference uh, this week on Monday. And 
I feel like, uh, well, yesterday, <laughs> yeah. I feel like some coaches are like uh, Chris Mack from Louisville was saying he believed that probably when, when the conference tournament rolls around, there'll be a team that opts out. And part of that is because of, of the NCAA tournament and, and requiring, you know, I think it's seven negative tests in a row, right. you know, that your people have to have. And so, um, so some of that is if you, if you feel like your team is, is, you know, in a position that they've already qualified, they don't need the at-large bid, and you're not you, you're not going to want to risk it, you know, because you're still going to be taking your team from whatever location to plant them in Greensboro, and and that is a possibility of exposing them, you know, to who knows what and and contracting the virus and testing positive. So, uh, so the possibility rests out there, but I but I also feel like there's. <laughs> There's a larger contingent of coaches who express the, the sentiment that Roy Williams did, which was, I'm not thinking about that. I'm just trying to get through <laughs> Tuesday. Right, right yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to get through <laughs> the game that we have ahead because yeah. that could easily be postponed or canceled or what have you. So there's no use in looking that far ahead to the future because the way this season has gone and, you know, games have been moved around or canceled or what have you. Um, you just have to take what's in front of you and the rest will work itself out. What is your feeling, though? I mean, are we, it's almost by force, I think we're going to get there uh, because they've got to have, I mean, the, the, I mean, let's face it, there, can, there cannot be any sort of, I mean, there has to be an NCAA tournament this year. Or, yeah, yeah, they can't miss it two yeah, years in a row. Cannot they, miss it two years in a row. The, the, financially devastating. Yeah. Yeah, and, so. and, and maybe not for, Texas or Alabama or UNC or or Duke, but you know uh, Mid Missouri State. Well, I, I mean, Poly- for the NCAA. Well, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, Just, yeah. yeah. As an organization, yeah. Um, they they have. That's why they have to have it. Uh, I mean, in terms of the conference tournament, we will have one, and but it wouldn't surprise me if if at the last minute, you know, there's there's a tinkering of the format because. I don't think it's going to be 14 teams uh, or 15 teams playing in Greensboro. I, right. do, I do think, like, really, like, if, you're, <laughs> if your season is over, if you have no chance, well, obviously you could get that large bid. But realistically right. speaking, if, if you don't see yourself winning the tournament and maybe you've had some COVID issues in your program or something, it, it would make – it would make perfect sense just to be like, you know what, we're not even going to play this right now. You know, we'll we'll just regroup and start next season when every everything right. hopefully not going wood is back to normal. I'll bet you anything. So, uh, there's no Syracuse won't be there. We know that for a fact. CL Syracuse will not be. <laughs> Bayheim is not going back to Greensboro. <laughs> Oh man, that that would be funny if if he is <laughs> the one that pulls the plug. Well, he, look, Syracuse is still kind of they're still yeah, they're there. You know, yeah. I feel like they're a, a potential bubble kind of team. Yeah, so maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, it, may, it might behoove them to play. All right, uh, we're, we're a week and a half roughly from Duke UNC. Uh, Duke's got Georgia Tech tonight. Um, I don't know how much you've seen the, the Devils here. I've seen them the last couple times out. Uh, minus the Louisville uh, game, I had another assignment this weekend, so I didn't see the game. But, uh, boy, this is just not um, – if, if there's ever a player that was you're going to miss, uh, to me, it was it, it's, it's Jones. I mean, I, who knew that guy would be the guy that had the biggest impact yeah. on, on Duke the last two years? Because, I mean, on the perimeter, the Devils defensively are not very good. No, that's that's been an issue, and honestly, that's been an issue to me for them like the last five, six years. It, it's just something that's why Coach K has played zone so much yeah. in these last five or six years, um, and I think part of that is just the the continuity. He doesn't have what he used to have when you know he recruited three and four year players, and they were there a long time, and you know they learned learned the system. Um, Trying to get freshmen to play great defense, uh, it, it takes a while. And and this team in particular, you know, it was it, it, any team, Carolina, Kentucky included, that's relying on a lot of freshmen this year. It's just taken a while for them to get going. And for Duke specifically, when you think about 
you know, I think it was big that Coach K shut things down in December and let them, you know, they I think they missed three games and he let them go home for Christmas just for just for peace of mind. But in doing that, they, you know, they're not practicing. They're not playing games. So right now they've only played 10 games. Carolina's played 15. There's a big difference when you're relying on freshmen, five games of, of more and more chances to make mistakes, more chances to learn on the fly, more chances for that game experience. And I think that's part of why Duke is struggling. And then, you know, obviously you add on what everybody else has gone through with, with just, you know, not being able to really uh, practice during the summer in the same way that they would have been able to not having the, the exhibition games or scrimmages and the preseason and all that stuff and not having as many non-conference games to kind of, uh, I would say, cupcakes, but, you know, yeah. just the kind of games you can right. play your young guys and they get a lot of minutes and they kind of figure out some things in real action. So all of those things I feel like have conspired against Duke in having such a young team for them, you know, to be in the position that they're in right now. Well, that and Jalen Johnson, to me, is their, uh, is their best talent yeah, inside. Right. Yeah. And, you know, he missed, uh, I think it was three games. So, um, But Matthew Hurd is doing his best to, to kind of carry the team right now, but he's just he's not enough by himself. Yeah, so far has not been, um, especially against some, some really good teams out there. Hey, uh, good to talk to you, CL. We'll, uh, we'll catch up hopefully down the road here soon. All right, appreciate you having me, Patrick. Hello, CL Brown on uh, Twitter at CL Brown Hoops. Uh, UNC Pitt tonight, and uh, again, you can hear that on ninety-seven nine ninety-four one. Uh, top of the hour here, in just a few minutes. Also, uh, Duke tonight on one hundred three seven WTIB. Ben Byram across the way, intern Joe. I like this top that intern Joe has on his pullover. Oh yeah, he's swagging out of control no, right it's, now. It's, it's unbelievable. He's ready you, to hit the club. You look good. Oh, thank you. Good-looking hoodie you got on. And I look like I've been uh, hanging drywall. Got the Gucci Cubs hat Yeah, Gucci Cubs hat. This is my outdoor. It's very cold and nasty working outdoors today. Okay, uh, so all that's coming up tomorrow. We're back to an hour. Because the pirate airtime is not going to be till 7 o'clock. We ain't doing a two-hour show. Again, (laughs) flip-floppy. Well, I I love you guys, but not that much. Uh, but they're going to be on at 7 do a 45-minute lead-in to... Don't uh, worry. I could talk about MMA for an hour. Could I you? could fill an hour. Oh, it might, be the, it might be the Ben Byram uh, MMA. Jake Paul's got a new fight. Hour. Yeah, <laughs> it might be that. Uh, but we are going to talk to Cy Seymour and Brian Mole hoops tomorrow, and we'll hear from Joe Dooley. So all of that coming up on the uh, Wednesday Hump Day Patrick Johnson Show. We'll uh, catch you tomorrow. HDHD1 Farmville, Washington, Greenville. Crystal clear FM Sports Talk 24 7, 365. Unless we forget to pay the power bill. 94 3, the game.